Hello and welcome to St. Louis City Press and International Friendly. Joining me to talk about City's first ever playoff game and unfortunately a loss, Nathan Halley. Good morning. Chris Hoff joining us. Our man from Hanoi. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yellow. We're all we're all out of sorts, as was the team. I think we need to let Chris take the first crack at breaking this game apart to avoid going straight into Nathan's righteous indignation about uh we're gonna do we're gonna do the classic positive negative positive feedback sandwich technique there we go I think is what we're gonna do just for the record it feels more like dignation instead of indignation but we'll get to that okay what'd you think Chris I'm trying to define dignation in my head sorry (laughs) um well, um, nobody's happy, um, and nor should they be. Uh, I think that maybe in the Discord, my indignation has sort of been blunted by the, the medium, but look, that was an unacceptable performance. And um, I was looking at the stats after you know most of the week trying to avoid any content whatsoever. Um, and it looks like they did to us just from like a pure 90 minute statistical point of view, what we usually do to teams is I, they, not out, want they the ball. outplayed us at our own game. Yes. And that is unacceptable when the entire team model is built around, you know, playing this one type of football. Um, but uh, caveat, a lot of that is game state. A lot of that is the fact that we were down a goal uh, and, you know, and multiple goals uh, early in the game and they were perfectly happy to give us possession and that's not what we really set up to do much uh, about so game state led to a lot of those statistics but you know on paper you know from you know just the numbers it looked like we got pressed high we got turned over and we got punished uh well in the end they went direct you know they went direct with their goals after getting those turnovers which we were just handing them I don't, I don't yeah. know that we and, can even and say you don't want to see that them. you don't want to see your team looking like they're getting beat by themselves in or a, like a mirror copy some sort of weird alternate dimension clone of yourselves especially when it's your air quotes rival um well and especially when that, we were not continue sorry. we were not playing our style you know no and and why not is the question um this is a little off topic, but we were talking about lineups in the Discord and, and you know, online. I've read a lot about it and, like, why isn't Leuven playing higher? Well, I will say that I don't blame the coach probably as much as other people in this pod uh, do. I saw little effort. I saw little interest. I saw a lack of intensity outside of Tim Parker, who is always just on the edge of insanity. I just I didn't see enough. I thought their experience, Kansas City's experience, uh, and just understanding the moment was greater. And that was the difference, really. I don't know. Nobody looked good. Nobody had a good game. I I agree. I mean, you know, Parker got a goal. So, okay, I guess he's man of the match for St. Louis City, no, which just sounds ridiculous. Celio, Celio is the only, is like the next best he came in and subbed and had a few moments that looked good but yeah yeah like there's literally we could go through the whole lineup and there's no one else you could even say had an okay game i have a lot of questions for edward Leuven right now i don't think he has the answers for my questions 
and I, I see, I, we can get into it. I do attribute some of that to him playing in a position that's not the position that allows him to control the flow of the game. And maybe, I don't know. I have also said that since coming back from the injury, he's never been the same. I don't know how to attribute that between position and between just quality. Well, playing, playing as an eight, playing as like the primary outlet out of the back uh, when we do, you know, transition from a deep position, uh, like you can influence the game a lot more than you can at 10 sometimes, especially when, I don't know, there's no excuse for a, a person playing as a number eight, playing at the, the base of the midfield, not to have more ball, more influence than someone who's playing at 10. Um, Do we think he's really even playing as an eight, though? It almost feels like we're playing with double sixes. It was, I, I, I love Jackson. I'm not convinced like as a person as a soccer player. Like he's really fun to watch. It's not, I'm not convinced he kind of like fits the system and is the right person to be starting in that position, I guess, for our style, like fantastic player, at so, least in this game and a number of those other games. Like it really has not looked like it's worked. I, I got into, I don't want to say an argument, a bit of a back and forth on online uh, with someone who, this is a stranger, someone who was saying that Leuven's problem is that his positioning. And I was saying that I feel like even in his current position, he is not making the same touches and the same like one-on-one plays that he did earlier in the season that we were all like, holy cow, he's playing on a different level and he's doing yeah. things with the ball that that we just don't even recognize. I think you would see that regardless of position probably. And you just don't see it right now. It, it's almost like he doesn't care. Since that, I, basically the last time he played Kansas City, he's his touch has been off. And I totally agree yeah. with what you've said. I totally agree with that assessment. I think it's not position at all. I think whatever it, position you put him in, he should be able to you know, maximize his possession. He should be able to make good touches. <laughs> has it been since his injury? Like, do we attribute it to that? He's had good games since he came back from injury. He's had good games where we saw that magic uh, from his feet that we were seeing when, you know, in the moments when, like Nate said, we were like, wow, this guy's on another level earlier in the season before injury. It's I happened after to... the injury, not consistently. I tried to look into some of the <clears throat> like individual advanced statistics to see if I could suss anything out because they they call out like position and blah 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 but I was at work and so it would maybe be interesting to do some sort of analysis there but the eye test says that he is not the the same player it doesn't help that like in my head I know that he made a comment to on an interview about how he likes the MLS more because he, it's like less stressful or you don't have to try as hard or, or something like that. Um, the, I'm sure unrelated to his performance, but still like it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Now, I also don't want to blame like he wasn't the entire reason we lost, but you know, we only have two DPs, and if you're not getting performance out of them when the rest of your lineup is like the, or when your lineup is one of the, I, I don't want to 
just focus on money because there's value beyond salary. But we have a we have a inexpensive or you know optimized lineup. And so if you're not getting anything out of your your maybe most important DP, you're gonna struggle. Um, I thought. Well, so the line I mean, our up, other our other DP like Klaus up top like uh, I say up top he was not he was in like forward. a he was like a false nine but like very false a lot of the time I so I will I will always like to the point of sounding like a broken record say that I want to see Sam start I think that is not a just Nathan opinion I saw it all over the place I thought. It was a strange choice to go with that lineup in the game. I know that's that's a formation we've played before, but it was not a lineup that we'd ever played before. But whatever, put that aside. That lineup had enough talent, ostensibly, that it should have been able to win. Um, I would have liked to see Klaus to provide more of a an upfront threat. That being said, I think the biggest problem actually was, um, even if he would have been there, there's just no transition through our midfield and i feel like at our worst that's our our weak point is that our our midfield just is not great at moving the ball forward i think sometimes it manifests itself as like all the goofy passing just back and forth and back and forth among the defenders and then back to berkey and almost trying to just bypass the midfield to to boot it up um you know it's not really our style to to have a, a smooth transition game, but like like you guys were saying, Kansas City just so I I'm not gonna go on a rant about Carnell because I already did and it's not worth getting into. But we were absolutely I believe objectively outcoached. And I think like even even if you take the um, very generous view of Carnell, you'd have to say, well he's a new coach, there's stuff to learn. And I think there's a Maybe a, you could see a little bit of the veteran coaching on on KC that they did. They played a low block. They forced us to try and have possession. They they learned lessons from previous games against us. And that's what leaves me nervous about tomorrow's game is I don't see where we pivot to to make those changes to to have a better outcome tomorrow. Um, I, I think the one thing you could hope for is better individual performances. I I agree. We talked about this. It's, I mean, Parker scored a goal, but none of the defense looked great. I mean, Nerwinski was, I think, probably the worst player on the field by a fair bit, which is sad because his parents drove from New Jersey because I guess they haven't heard of like Newark Airport or something. Well, um, but he just looked horrible. I wouldn't go there. If okay, I didn't that's have fair. Um, I think some of the Marcanic shine his. Is worn yeah, off a little poor. bit. He was poor, but like he, we said, everybody was poor. You know, everyone I, was everyone was poor. There was Berkey, like Berkey looked bad. Two or three times, just cleared it directly to a Kansas City player. There was also an interesting stat about Nilsson that we're like, we've only won one game with him starting. The the insinuation being that he, I think it was from Taylor Twelman actually saying that like Nilsson is still recovering from his injury and his extra time was going hard at the MLS podcast was going hard saying he was absolutely terrible and he's slow. And I, I can't claim that I saw that in the game, but that was their same. Take. But cause I've seen things from him where it feels like he's saved, saved us. But 
to be fair, I haven't been super focused in on him. I'd be curious, Chris, if you have any Nils opinions. I don't either. I, you know, I've taken the word of wiser, maybe more experienced people, but that, I mean, obviously that's, I don't know. I, I'll have to look into that a little bit more deeply to speak on it intelligently. One thing I do want to say, though, is you're right, Nate, that they looked like they knew what was up. Uh, I don't think coaches have any influence, like marginal influence on game day. It's all about preparation. It's all about you know, the, the work you do before the game, uh, to create the relationships and to instill, uh, habits and stuff. Uh, game day coaching is, is, doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. That's my, uh, you know, intuitive sort of instinctual opinion. Um, what I think about... there's probably evidence for that too, but I would, one thing that I think is noticeable or was noticeable, and that is notable and, and should be mentioned, is that the average age and uh, obviously the uh, average amount of playoff experience per player on that roster, like the average age was much higher for them, uh, significantly higher by like six years or something. And the average, I don't know, have the stats on playoff uh, experience, but it's it was massive. They're, they're always in the playoffs. you know. They're... So that's that, that showed, and that was... For me, the biggest difference was just they looked like they knew that this was an important game, and we looked like like we were blinded by the you know the spotlight. So, I have a question. I don't. I don't know. That's a little bit of a hot take on game day coaching. Maybe not. Maybe people agree. I, I was surprised, shocked, disappointed to not see halftime changes. Like, would you go as far as to say that doesn't matter? Like, why do you not? change anything at half after that performance we saw it's just like a psychological thing i think uh twelman on the the broadcast said it's going to give them you know another 15 20 minutes to see if they can show uh justify the coach picking them you know for the start and I, like nobody did and here's the thing I understand that in the regular season. In the regular season, it's like you give your guys the chance because you're you're focused on like building the team, you're building the culture, you want to give people that chance. But sorry, it's playoffs. Like you put you put your best guys out there, you I don't care about your feelings anymore. This is Yeah, so thank you because that's a perfect segue into what I was thinking. So, I am genuine generally sympathetic to Chris's take. I'm going to make a possibly strained baseball analogy, but um, I think baseball managers especially get way more credit or blame over the course of a long baseball season for, you know, making a bullpen move here or there when like in the long run, it probably doesn't matter. And it is more about setting the vibes of the team and making sure that their, you know, their fundamentals are good and blah, blah, blah. That being said, I think that you get to the World Series and individual moves at specific times from a manager standpoint absolutely can matter because you're no longer managing over the course of a long thing, but you have to deal with immediates. And it could be like a small sample size bias. I just remember um, a very 
analytical sports writer in 2011 writing about who who was not a fan of baseball managers mattering but at the time when the cardinals won the world series said that it was like tony la Russa was playing chess against um ron washington's checkers so i think that there is an element in a game so things that a coach that a that seem to matter on game day like they absolutely select the lineup and i think that matters and substitutes do to some degree matter ultimately it does come down to the players and i think it's 99 percent what the players do it's just when things are so tight in the playoffs that that one percent can make a difference i honestly don't want to get get hung up on it i think i think carnell did a poor job but i think that team that he put out should have been able to win based on their performances over the year I think the real questions I have actually are more systemic, like maybe I am wrong in that assumption that that team really doesn't have the talents to come out and win. And the wins that we had earlier in the season were more due to other circumstances. And we've been figured out, you know, it's a game, but in football manager, you usually hit a point where your tactic is quote unquote cracked and, and you'll have like, one or two games out of 10 where you a good team still looks good and then the rest of the time they're getting beat pretty badly and those two games give you hope that everything is still the same but really it's been figured out now that's a video game but i think kansas city had us figured out and we have like even people who disagree with me on on carnell i think acknowledge that we sort of have a style and there is no plan b for that style and but with Kansas City preventing us from playing that style or our players were just not effectively playing that because Kansas City was playing the style that we play. They were first forcing turnovers in the midfield and going direct. So I to think the goal. I think what happens is in that case, when both teams are kind of wanting to play the same thing, the first goal super matters. Um, <clears throat> now, we did get that goal back. Um, within. Like two, two minutes, minutes, but then they got another one real quick. Yeah. So I I don't know. I felt like we didn't look good from the from the get go. Maybe it was the pressure. Maybe it was the lasers. Um, maybe I'm, I'm, I I'm I can't help but think that removing big energy from the halftime song has that's really it, isn't it? Yeah, has been not great for yeah. the overall team. I wrote and I I sometimes fill out the fan surveys and they read them is what I'm told from the city voice podcast. I wrote in, I said, you're killing me with the lack of big, big energy. I, I really went hard and then they brought it back for one game. And so I wrote in a survey, just praising them and thanking them because we won that game that they brought it back, but then they didn't do it anymore. I, I, I think this is mostly appropriate for our off season superstitions podcast, but oh, okay. I agree. <clears throat> and I wrote in something far more Nathan like, talking about how the person who made that decision should be fired. And so maybe that pushed too far and they reverted. Oh, that could be. Um, I think Stroud is an off the bench player. I think what we saw from Nico was very positive uh, and uh, probably warrants a look at a start in the next game. The issue is that, I mean, I think for Nate, you definitely want Sam on the pitch for longer. You want him to start. I I, his... I do personally, but I can I can accept that Nico has talent and perhaps brings something that that would be good in this game. 
I wouldn't mind seeing him playing instead of Jackson, Jackson. in that sort of number 10 tackle midfielder yeah. spot. Yeah, so what – Bill does have a, a hard out in eight. What what are our thoughts about the, the next game? Changes we'd like to see? Well, you know, it would be nice if whatever we go out to do, we actually look like we're interested or capable of trying to do it. So if we're going to press – and we like like we did in the prepod. I would, like I talked about in the prepod. We beat them with frenetic high press. We beat them badly uh, with that style. We didn't play that style last game. We've also beat them uh, like you were saying with a much more uh, possessive passing uh, style. Uh, when we beat them the second time this season, uh, we pass through the midfield with precision and accuracy and it was crazy beautiful to watch and Jackson was involved in it Leuven was on point and and was doing great so whatever we decide to do and I know that we can do both uh we probably had more consistent success uh, not that consistency is a word that really makes sense in our context right now uh with the high press style so if we go back to that we actually have to do it to put in the work I just didn't see the effort. That being said, I, I, I'm uh, disappointed in myself that I haven't mentioned uh, yet that the goals they scored, except for the, the fourth one, which doesn't really matter, uh, were nuts goals. Every single they one were. was. They were beautiful. A we screamer. Yes. And they're never going to be able to reproduce that conversion rate from what uh, were hot, like very low percentage uh, in terms of XG. Uh, goal chances. All three of those first goals were less than 10% or around 10% uh, likely to go in. Uh, so, um, one thing I happen. was wondering about the, so it, it felt like our, our press wasn't working. Totally agree there. I was wondering if Kansas City was just, it felt like they had figured out how to beat it. Like their passing was really solid such that when we would press, they could just kind of switch the ball and make us look a little silly. Maybe our work rate wasn't high enough, um, but like the press is beatable if you have, you know, if you're if you're playing really solid. So, well, it, it looks like just that whole sort of arc through the wings to the midfield was off. You know, Stroud yeah. had a, a crap game moving. House. I'll go back to even back to Berkey, yeah. like Berkey's distribution. Blom didn't sure. look good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think in terms of changes it. that I'd like to see, I'd like to see Watts start over Nerwinski. Um, I don't, I don't know if Carnell is going to be brave enough. It to might that. be that our, we have no good answers. We don't. On, right in terms of fullback. It was an interesting move to bring Hebert in over Marcanic. Uh, well, I we could agreed maybe... that Marcanic looked very poor. Yeah. It's yeah. just at that point, what do you, why wouldn't mind? I mean, maybe, maybe a Hebert start would be okay. I, I don't know. It's like everyone played so bad. I don't know how to say, well, I'd like to no, see. The, there's no clear cut solution at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think we want to see another, we want to see either Nico or Sam over Jackson. I, I I don't know. Is that unanimous That's here it, at yeah. least? Yeah, That's I, the one. I, I like 
I like Jackson, but I think yeah, he same. he sometimes and by sometimes I mean a lot of times gets out muscled and his frenetic energy well what? I'd take Stroud out and put Sam I don't know, go back to it was a two in the front, but it was like a false nine and a number ten. There wasn't this Klaus was so far back that he wasn't really a striker. So yeah, but that's a I, two. It wasn't a true two striker setup like we talked about. It was two nominal non strikers. Yeah, I we agree miss that not Stroud, having. We miss not having Alm. Um, I, do. I mean, that's who you would want to see. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm mind with seeing Stroud. Like I don't Yaro, know, but it's not going to happen. Um, I think. Parker and Nilsson are locked in as your two center backs. And I I do believe that those two very experienced players will take this on the chin and come back more focused and better the next game. Of all the people on our lineup that I expect to respond, those two, I think, have the experience and the personal professional pride to come back from this better. If not Stroud, who are you guys putting? So Blom, Leuven, Indy. Who's your fourth yeah. there? Where are you going? I don't know. Uh, Nico. I think you play Sam as as a like a in the outside of the midfield because uh, that's where he would go anyway. Yeah, um, and he does work well like a, coming up the left. Like maybe you put Stroud behind him, but then you don't have room for Nico. We're talking about pretty minor shifts, is the thing, which I guess just goes back to it. A lot of this is player performances and, and you've got the like you get what you get the team is what it is you're not gonna you're not gonna like put in a ostrock i don't think yeah you, you never know carnell morrison's not gonna start i can <laughs> yeah assume that yeah no it, it would be a carnell thing to have like an ostrock thorison call jensen from loan um <laughs> Caden uh, Glover starting up front. Yarrow Bartlett in the back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do need to take off here in a couple minutes. Uh, Let's do some score getting predictions. A, getting a flu and COVID shot. Not a sponsor, but get your shots. Get I your love shot. a good shot. St. Louis City, beforehand. get your shots. But after the game, because it in. may... No, oh, I'm not talking about those. I, I see. <laughs> nope. Nate was being yeah. stupid. Yeah. We All had... Right. Uh, Klaus had a couple opportunities, actually. You know, he had that header cross from Celio. Um, anyway, it was sad. All right. What are our predictions? 2 nothing City. Oh, that's what I was going to say. A nail-biting 2-1 win. Abby had a 3 nothing City prediction. Oh, didn't Patrick also... Did Patrick come in with a 3 nothing? He did. Maybe it was Patrick, not Abby. Yeah, Patrick, 3 nothing. Um, I believe Claire also had a 3 nothing City win. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make it a trifecta. 3 nothing Kansas. And on that bombshell, we will see what City does tomorrow. I hope you're wrong. I do too. Game three. Just as we were walking into the stadium on Saturday, Sunday, I said, 
to Abby and Phil. My real prediction is 3-1 Kansas. You were wrong. Save like for the a, superstition pod. That's uh Well, oof. see, you waited too late to get it out there. You didn't you didn't really commit to it. Sort of. A, yeah, no, I know. So this that's why I'm committing now. Phil, do you remember in Gerald Trapp's Latin class uh, that one of the sort of linguistic quirks of Latin uh, as spoken by Romans was that when you were worried about something happening, you would instead sort of reverse it and say out loud to the gods, I am worried that this terrible thing won't happen. So that's a that's a you, good system. The gods were so vindictive that whatever you said you were worried about, they would do. So you had to trick them by saying you were worried about the opposite thing happens. Mm. Yeah, psychology that makes sense. I will work on this. Yeah. Well, you have. You've done it. Yeah. You put right. it in the ether. So they like in advance. I did like Gerald Trapp's Latin class. So we are probably the three most veteran of. Daryl Trapp's Latin class. All right. Well, let's see how it goes. Hopefully we don't Shout have a season you, wrap up podcast as our next one. Oof. Yeah. No, we need a pregame after this. Looking forward to next Sunday's city, Kansas city home match. Here's you hoping there's that. another pod. All right. All right. Guys. Thanks guys. Go city.